Guidelines Health. Better health begins here. It's time for Better Health Radio, brought to you by Tidelands Health. Here's Bill Klaproth. You can now get genetically tested to learn if you have an abnormal gene that is linked to a higher breast cancer and ovarian cancer risk. What are those genes, and what if a test shows an abnormality? Here to explain that to us is Dr. Angela Mislowski, breast surgeon at Tidelands Health. Dr. Mislowski, thank you so much for being on with us. So can you tell us right up front, what are those genes that you're looking for? Well, the two main genes that we uh, are looking for changes or mutations in are the BRCA1 and the BRCA2 genes. These are the most popular genes that are can be associated with breast cancer. There are several others. Uh, However, these are the two that everybody has heard about and the two that we are most concerned with. Now, do we all have that or is just just a female issue? Are we all born with the BRCA1 and BRCA2? Actually, we all are. Male and female are both born with the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. And in their normal function, they help correct any other genetic mistakes that happen in our body. And so as a result, they keep some cancers from forming. However, some people can get what we call mutations in the BRCA1 or 2 genes, and it's these mutations that can put people at higher risk for breast and ovarian cancer. And obviously, breast cancer in both men and women and ovarian cancer in just women. So the BRCA1 and 2 are there to protect us, and if there is an abnormality or a mutation, that's when they basically don't do their job, and that's why people are at a higher risk of cancer then. Correct. Now, who should get the test for this? Well, there are uh, guidelines that we use. Actually, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, or the NCCN, puts forth uh, guidelines and amends them, say, about every year. And what we look for when we talk to patients about being tested for the gene are a very strong family history sisters and daughters and mothers and grandmothers who all have breast cancer, men who have breast cancer, uh, women who are diagnosed even without a family history at young ages, 40, under 45. Um, There have also been some correlation between women with breast cancer and some family members that have pancreatic cancer, prostate cancer, and also ovarian cancer as well. So there are lots of little things to look at and put to put to help put together the big picture to see who should get genetic testing. So for someone that does have a family history of breast cancer, at what age do you start getting tested? Is it something where someone in their 20s should get tested? Somebody in their 20s can get tested. Um, we usually, because there are some significant things that we can do to help prevent a patient's risk when we found that they have a mutation in one of these genes, we like to have patients be mature enough to make these informed decisions about taking medications or surgery. And when we talk about doing surgeries to help prevent a woman from getting these cancers, we want to make sure that they're, you know, married and complete have completed their childbearing and things like that. Um, obviously, we want to know as soon as we can, but we also don't want to delay things too long either. So what is involved in taking the test? 
It's actually pretty simple. Um, to test for the just the BRCA1 and 2 genes, it can either be a blood test or it can be a cheek swab. However, one of the tests that we're using now instead of the BRCA1 and 2 is actually what we call a multi-gene panel test, and it tests for 17 different genes that can predispose a patient to different cancers, including BRCA1 and 2 mutations, and that's actually just a simple blood test. They just come into the office and they can have their blood drawn, and we send that out with a bunch of paperwork having to do with their family history, and we usually get the results back in about three to four weeks. This seems like a good way, uh, really good preventative measures to take. Do women and men that have cancer in their family, especially breast cancer, do you see a lot of them wanting to take this test? Um, we, we do and we don't. We have a lot of people ask about it. You know, is, am I qualified to take it? Do I have to worry about my children and my brothers and sisters? And when it comes down to it, not a lot of our patients actually qualify to get tested, which is what we look for. I think people think it's an easy, it's an easy fix and an easy test to get done, which of course it is, but the results can have some significant, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some significant drawbacks. Yeah, drawbacks and some, you know, dictate their care in the future as well. And unfortunately, there is some legislation that people's insurance can't necessarily be changed based on the results of these tests, but there are other things that they can be, you know, not be able to be qualified for based on these results as well. When you say qualify for the test, what do you mean? When I, I mean following the National Comprehensive Cancer Network guidelines. If do they does the patient fit into the guidelines to be tested for the gene mutation or do they not? That's what the insurance companies go by when they decide who they're going to pay to have the test run on. It's not cheap. It's a, it can be several thousand dollars. So we don't want a patient to get stuck with a bill for something for seven th- several thousand dollars if they don't have to be. So if someone qualifies for the test, they take the test, and unfortunately it comes back positive, or there's a, I should say, they're showing a mutation or abnormality, then what? Well, if the patient shows an abnormality or a mutation in one of either, say, either the BRCA1 or 2 genes, if they currently do not have breast cancer, that gene, that, that mutation in the gene means that they have up to about an 80, 85% chance of getting breast cancer in their lifetime as a woman and up to about a 10% chance of getting breast cancer if they are a man. Also for the women, that mutation in the gene means that they can get or have a chance of getting ovarian cancer a risk increase from about 1% in the regular population to upwards between 20 and 40% with a genetic muta- a gene mutation. That so is we, a high risk. It is. Oh it's my. Very high. <laughs> wow. So what are the what are the options then for somebody that has this has this high risk of breast cancer? Well, the options there are actually several. Um, we have tested. I say in, using, in quotations, older patients old, over 60 to 70 years old because the guidelines for what we can do are only only hold true up to the age of 70 because that's the, the population that was studied. I have several patients that have mutations in the gene that do not want what we call prophylactic surgery, which I'll uh, mention in a minute, but we just follow them 
extra carefully with breast mammograms and breast MRIs and clinical exams on a very frequent but regular basis so that if they do develop a breast cancer, we can find it and we can find it very early and treat it very early. Other things that can, some patients can do are there's things that we call chemo prevention. It's not necessarily chemotherapy, but there's some pills that something like tamoxifen, which can help decrease a woman's risk of breast cancer if she has a mutation in one of these genes. And also the most drastic measures, which are not necessarily the worst, are actually what we call prophylactic surgery, either removing a woman's ovaries, especially if she's been completed childbearing, or actually doing what we call prophylactic mastectomies, which is removing the breast tissue on these women that have the genetic mutation. And that can decrease their risk of getting the breast cancer significantly. Is that what we would call a mastectomy? Exactly. A prophylactic mastectomy on for both breasts, yes. So if the test comes back positive, basically there's three options. There's increased yes. monitoring, chemo prevention, and then the mastectomy or the removing of ovaries. Correct. And if it comes back negative, is somebody totally in the clear then? The patients that we sort of tell are in the clear are, say, a the daughter of a woman who was known to carry the gene. The mother has well, not carry the gene, carry the mutation for the gene. The mother carries the mutation for the gene. The daughter then will test negative for that mutation. That means the mother did not pass it down to her daughter, so her daughter is not at the same risk, the 80-some percent risk. She goes back to the what we call the normal population risk, say about 12% or 12 to 21 out of every eight. If there's no been no genetic testing for mutations in the family and a woman tests negative for a mutation, then we treat her as what we call a high-risk patient. She must have qualified for that genetic testing based on family history or her own known cancer at a young age. So she's still at high risk, but we definitely don't say she's in the free and clear. And what about the emotions of having a test and knowing there, I imagine there would be an anxiety and knowing that you know that you have an abnormality or a mutation. And on the other hand, I imagine potentially, potentially there's guilt in a negative showing too. I don't have it, but gosh, my sister did or my mom did. So, is can you talk about that a little bit? Um, sure. Now, a lot of times when we test patients and they come back negative, we have not had a previous family member that has tested positive, but I could understand the guilt of that patient, but also at the same time, they are obviously relieved. I fortunately or unfortunately have not had to deal with that situation very much, but there is a lot a lot going on in patients' heads, especially surrounding, do I want to get tested? Should I get tested? Should I do this for me? Should I do this for my kids? And a lot of those decisions are not easy to make, especially when we're deciding whether to send the test or not. The one thing we do in situations like that is actually refer our patients to a specific genetics counselor. And one of the universities near us has a... uh, woman who has her master's in genetics counseling, and we send her 
we send those patients to her, and she has more, definitely more time than we do to sit down and talk through with the patient, with their family, the pros about the pros and cons of testing, what to do if it's negative with your family, what to do if it's positive, who to contact, what to worry about, and what not to worry about. Well, that's good to know that either way, there's strategies for handling both. Definitely. And then let me ask you this. Why should someone choose Tidelands for their breast health needs? Well, us at Tidelands Health, and we, us specifically as the Coastal Carolina Breast Center, um, have two physicians, myself and my partner, Dr. Brackett, who are solely dedicated to women's breast health, whether it's breast cancer or breast lumps, uh, abnormal mammograms and ultrasounds. This is, this is all we do. Um, we like to say that we will see you from the start all the way through to the end. We see you. We perform your biopsies. We're the ones who are giving you the results. Us and our office staff are treating you and helping you through every step of the journey, whether it's a journey for a negative biopsy, a journey for a diagnosis of breast cancer. Um, we do go to all of the society meetings on an annual basis and are up on all the newest techniques and technologies for helping our patients get the best and most accurate care. Um, and we also actually think we have the best staff available to any patient out there. Absolutely. Dr. Mislowski, thank you for your great work at Tidelands and thank you so much for your time today. For more information about Tidelands Health Physicians, Services, and Facilities, visit TidelandsHealth.org. That's TidelandsHealth.org. This is Better Health Radio. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.